Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Gregory, how are we doing? I'm doing good. I am uh, always glad we get to share some time with some of these practitioners who are really making supply chain happen, right? I think it's fantastic to get to speak to all these leaders. I just have one question for you, Scott. Are we are we going to low talk through this one? Should I? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know you're going to be at full volume all, as all always, Greg, all and I look, <laughs> I look forward to that. But... As you're referencing, big, big show today as we have a repeat guest with us back by popular demand. And as Greg suggested, we're going to be talking about some really cool developments when it comes to supply chain in the retail world. So it should be a great show. So Greg, are we ready to introduce our esteemed guest here today? I guess we should. Otherwise, it would just be you and I for the rest of the day. So. <laughs> and the world has had, had enough of Scott and Greg, yes. I bet. But <laughs> so really excited about our guest here. Our guest, uh, featured guest has experience across retail and e-commerce channels, of course, including supply chain operations, merchandising strategies. Prior to her current role, she held leadership positions at Peloton and the Home Depot. And her reputation now, Greg, mm. is one of a versatile and strategic corporate athlete. I love mm. that an authentic and collaborative leader, and a results-driven agent of change. So our guest currently serves as Senior Vice President End-to-End Delivery with Walmart. And I want to welcome in Jennifer McKeon to the conversation. Jennifer, how you doing? Hey there. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. You as well. Greg, we've been looking forward to this Yeah, welcome aboard. I, I mean, like I said in the kind of lead up, it's always great to talk to the folks that are doing the doing. Um, and with you having so much experience across a broad uh, spectrum of, of different companies uh, and being a change agent, Scott, you know how I feel about change agents, right? Um, I mean, we, you know, there's so much change that's necessary in supply chain. I think it's always good to be looking forward and learning and, and seeking out new solutions. So I'm stoked. Well said. Well said, Jen. So welcome in. Now, uh, some folks may remember the last time you're with us. I want to kind of recap a little bit of that. We had a lot of fun talking about where you grew up and and uh, I think some food items. It, it always oh, finds a way to work itself in the conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so Jen, refresh our listeners, our viewers' uh, memories. Where did you grow up? And, and give us an anecdote or two about your upbringing. Uh, that's great. Yeah, it's good to see you guys today. And thanks for having me back. I um I actually grew up right northeast of Atlanta in a little town called Lawrenceville, Georgia, uh, and have been in Atlanta most of my life. My mother still lives in the house we grew up in. I think um, some fun some fun anecdotes. I think that's how we got on food. That's right. You know, Atlanta is the home of Waffle House and Chick Fil A, and it doesn't get much better than that. So um, <laughs> those are those are probably my two favorites uh, and my favorite place place to go when I'm back home. Well, okay. So if you're going to go there, we're going to go there with, with uh, uh, the full force. So Greg, nothing quite beats a patty melt at the Waffle House, right? Right. 
Uh, I'm a firm believer that Waffle House is like the 80s. If you remember being at Waffle House, you weren't there. So uh, much like Kid Rock, I mostly go there to get in fights. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the waffles. I love, you can almost eat the waffles without syrup. So, Yes, I, I completely agree. Completely agree, especially you put a little butter on there. Goodness gracious. Um, I'm going to go back, though, for a second to Lawrenceville. Because, uh, uh, Jen, there's a wonderful square, you know, that yeah. kind of makes up the center of town. And talk about places to eat, places to shop. It's just a really cool place to park and, and get your steps in, huh? It's great. It has, you know, it has come so far from my early days. Uh, and now it's so hip. There's apartments and it's kind of a work, eat, play type of deal. And um, who knew that... Lawrenceville would come that far. So um, we were back home for the holidays and it was it was great. It's a really cute little spot. Love that. Um, okay, so let's move along, Greg and Jen. And Jen, I want to, um, I don't think we touched on this last time you were with us here. So, um, you know, worldview is so important, right? It's, it's important context to how we view um, leaders, right? So tell us before your current role, what's a couple of positions you held, leadership positions you held that really shaped that worldview? Sure. Well, you know, I was so lucky, um, was about to graduate college year before, you know, you have to start figuring out, okay, what's this going to look like? What am I going to do? And I had the opportunity to intern at Home Depot. And I thought, you know, I'll go do this and see how it goes. And then I planned to go to grad school and do a few other things. And um, after that internship, I just kind of got sucked in, spent the next 15 years at the Home Depot, just an incredible culture, place to learn, cut your teeth, grow up. Um, but I started in store operations. And so I really spent the bulk of my early years in stores, understanding how they work, the, you know, how, what the customers like, how to support associates in the store and what a gift in retail to sort of start where the cash register is and understand the value of the frontline associates and what they have to go through day in and day out. And that has just been a piece of my DNA I have carried with me since um, got to do a lot of other fun things at the Home Depot, um, ending and running a piece of their supply chain and undergoing a large digital transformation, which um, you don't get the opportunity to do all the time. And so just really lucky to be in seat and see such tremendous growth and um, acceleration for what they were doing. Uh, then, as you mentioned, went on to run Peloton supply chain and operations and COVID. And as I tell people, that was not boring. And then I had the incredible opportunity to go on to Peloton during COVID, which, as I tell people, was not boring. Um, a completely different set of problems, but obviously got to scale and grow and um, look at what that looked like just in a hyper growth mode. It's so super fun. Uh, and then now Walmart. So, All right. So, man, you share, you could write a book over, over what you just shared over the last three minutes. So, um, Greg, I want to pull it back to uh, her first where she was talking about the Home Depot and the power of the front line, right? The front line team members. Your thoughts, Greg, because that's that's like the part of the secret. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm in Jerry Maguire. You had me at front line. I, I mean, I, I really believe that that store ops it is the front line. I mean, if you think about it, I, I talk to so many people who have been in the food service industry who say everyone should wait tables. I agree with that, and I would add in also everyone should work in a retail store because. You know, my belief is that consumers are the beginning and the end of the supply chain. And, um, you know, there's no demand without them demanding something. So that pow- the power and the, um, I don't know, the engagement and the, 
the information and the knowledge you can capture just from being in the stores uh, is is so incredible and is a key part of understanding supply chain as as you go throughout all the way back to raw materials, right? Because yeah. that's so true, Greg. We, you know, it's funny. We say the answers are always in the stores. You just have to go and listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, kind of regardless of the role I've had, the answers are always in yeah. the store. It's a really good point. Uh, and so, really. Good point. And and so, Jen, one other quick uh, question about your um, uh, looking back is, man, there's few teachers that are as effective as that of fast growth, right? Which was one of your big themes. Uh, secondly, would you agree with that? I would agree. I, you know, trial by fire um, and survival, but um, just incredible learning opportunity because you've got a ton of people figuring, just smart folks figuring things out at the speed of lightning um, because the customer is demanding that. And, um, Incredible, incredible experience for sure. Yep. Okay. Um, so let's let's shift gears. Let's talk about uh, Walmart and what you're doing now. It's really exciting. Got a lot of things we're going to dive into here momentarily. But tell us, you know, all of our listeners, of course, are familiar with Walmart. But what do you do in your role as uh, SVP, Senior Vice President of End-to-End Delivery? Sure. Well, um, myself and the amazing team and and, and delivery shout out uh, is is responsible for what I say, anything that moves at Walmart. And so from origin or supplier all the way to our customers front porch or in their home, we're we're connecting the dots across first mile and ocean, middle mile in terms of over the road rail, and then all of our final mile apparatus, whether that is customer delivery, our Spark Driver platform, or our Go Local, which is a white label delivery service. And so some folks call it water wheels and wings. Um, we've also got some drones and EV and AV tests in there. And so um, if it's moving through our supply chain, the end-to-end delivery team is taking care of it. Love it. Okay. And we're going we're gonna to dive a little deeper in each of those. But Greg, I love that water wheels and wings. In a weird way, it kind of makes me hungry. I don't know about you. you, know, <laughs> you we got to quit doing these things at this time of day, which is not when people will be listening <laughs> to, him, to him. But we do, do tend to do this around lunchtime, Jennifer. So we are always hungry when doing this, but it keeps us sharp. So that's, that's part of the reason. <laughs> keeps you on time. Exactly. But I, but I, I love that. I mean, I, I think about, um, you know, uh, Walmart and what they were doing, uh, you know, I don't know if this was part of your initiative or before you, but I think about when um, in COVID, in emergency, they were asking people and not asking. I mean, they were asking them, but also paying them to on their way to and from work to deliver things. I mean, talk about I mean, talk about adaptive and resilient for a big corporation. Right. And just I, I really dug the spirit of that. Right, that store associates would would participate in that, and I got to meet more than more than one or two, um, you know, from various deliveries over time, and it was it was a really cool thing. And that's just one innovation, and you know, and just a temporary stopgap measure, like you said, survive. And you know, it's well, it you know, it's it's March Madness right now, so survive in advance, and that's right. That's uh, that's as important as anything, but uh, you know, I think recognizing that that delivery is from one end all the way you know from raw materials all the way to the consumer Jennifer it's um, we talk to a lot of people and it's really interesting 
that a lot of people don't understand that that final mile to the consumer is part of their supply chain and that, in fact, the consumer is part of their supply chain. So I think that's that's an mm-hmm. incredible recognition. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, in my first six months at Walmart, like they do an incredible job really always putting the customer first and thinking about that in everything we do. And I think with that in mind, to your exact point, it's listening to the customer so that we can meet them where they want, when they want, and connecting all of those pieces so that we can service them with speed and the great experience that they expect. And, you know, in-home delivery is a great example of that, to your point. Like, hey, we that's something that our customers wanted. And so that's something that we're now able to provide, which is a really exciting opportunity. Mm. So let's talk about one of the things you mentioned there on the front end as you were talking about uh, all the cool things that uh, you and the team are up to at Walmart. This Go Local initiative. So if folks hadn't heard of that yet, I'm sure plenty have, what is it? Sure. Go Local is a white label delivery as a service um, that we provide that leverages our Spark Driver platform. So our Spark Driver platform is um, covers 84% of America today. It's made up of an incredible large group of independent contractors that help us deliver out of the back of Walmart stores. And what we found is there's a real need for our other partners to have a delivery as a service that leverages the density and the scale that we can provide. Um, You know, there's 4,700 Walmarts within 10 miles of 90% of America. So you think about the competitive final mile footprint that that provides. Go Local leverages that scale, that capability, and lets us to go and deliver for other folks. We have a variety of clients on the roster, everywhere from apparel to home improvement to electronics. And so that's not only letting us deliver faster for our own customers, but it's enabling us to deliver faster for their customers too. Man, that is really cool. And if I understood you correctly, that that coverages 84% of the U.S. population is is covered with the Go Local uh, initiative. Um, Is that right, Jen? That's right. Our, that's right. We have an internal driver platform that we've created called Spark, and we leverage that platform across the U.S. Um, and to to deliver for all of our go local customers and clients. Man, okay. Oh, you're looking so, at Greg, Spark you're, right you're, now, aren't you? You are. <laughs> we might be. The research team is on it. But uh, Greg, you mentioned innovation earlier, and just uh, in one of your comments earlier. That Go Local program is pretty cool, huh? Yeah, well, I, I think about, um, I love the brilliance of, of delivering out of the stores or or or, um, or of kind of using the stores as waypoint even because they're everywhere, right? Walmart knows their demographic. There's, you know, most of their stores have a certain number of people within a certain radius of the store itself. Um, and <laughs> think about it. Where can you go where you don't pass a Walmart store, right? So... Uh, it's a perfect, I mean, it's a perfect hub for that kind of thing. And if you can create efficiencies both for um, other companies, but also for Walmart with that, it's not unlike, you know, a, a logistics service as such, or, you know, last mile delivery service without a retail store attached to it. And it's, I think, yeah. you know, it's one of the models that I like about what Walmart does. They have this whole concept of of scale economy shared right where the the more capacity they have the more they do with it and the lower the lower impact it has on the consumer because if more companies are helping to fund this spark driver campaign then then 
that's less shipment cost that any of those of those providers, including Walmart, have to apply to the consumer. So making good use of that is is beneficial to, to everyone. And I'm not sure everyone gets that. I mean, there are a few companies, particularly in retail, that have this notion of scale economy shared. But what that really does is reduce the price overall for everyone. Yeah. Great. You're, you're spot on for all the supply chain nerds on the call. It's, you know, we're after density and, you know, density will set you free and it enables us to be a great service provider, not only for Walmart customers, but for others too. And so I think that's where, you know, go local just passed three and a half million deliveries um, and is continuing to grow. And so we're proud of what they can do for Walmart um, through Spark, but also what they're doing for our clients all over the U.S., Density shall set you free. I love, I love that. Make you think of an old um, movie. And, You're my density. Right, right. Um, it, but also all the growth. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I think uh, Walmart market share and e-commerce uh, growth has continued to grow. Uh, the number of orders related to that fulfilled by the stores has grown tremendously. So looking forward to keeping our finger on the pulse as y'all continue to, to compete um, more and more advantageously. Um, let's talk about drone though, drone deliveries, because I, as I, we understand it, Greg, you and I chatted about this on an episode of Supply Chain Buzz a couple times uh, in recent months. Walmart did a lot of big things when it comes to its drone delivery efforts. I think in 2021, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jen, I think over 6,000 drone deliveries took place in key markets across the U.S. And, and that has continued to grow and expand here moving into uh, 2023. So tell us more about um, what was accomplished last year and some of the key lessons learned, perhaps. Yeah, I I love talking about drones because it's such a good um, example of where we're hearing, we're meeting the customer, where they want to shop, how they want to shop. But it's also democratizing access and giving us a sustainable way to deliver on that. And so um, to your point that um, we just actually surpassed 7,000 deliveries We're in 36 sites across the U.S. in seven states. And so um, we have a few partners in there that we partner with to do that. But it really starts back to that store platform. We've got such a penetration of stores. How do we leverage them as our competitive advantage? There's almost 85% of the store that's eligible for drone delivery. And so you think about the speed of getting something within 30 minutes the access where, you know, this could be a really urban area or a very rural area. Um, and just the sustainability that that provides to deliver where you want and in an electric electrified way. Um, and so some of my favorite stories are you think, you know, are some of the top items are a rotisserie chicken or a two pound bag of lemons. Um, and so we see all sorts of fun, you know, I had a drone delivery done the other day and, um, you see just really fun use cases of, of how a customer leverages that. So like they're in the middle of cooking and they forgot a spice and something else. And so, you know, you're like loading the box, you know, Scott, you had said like there's certain pounds that a drone can take. Um, but you know, we see a pint of ice cream and like the cinnamon they forgot for dinner Or, you know, you think, hey, we might be able to deliver prescriptions for an elderly person that's on the Mm -hmm. outskirts of town. Like, um, so it's it's not only just like really cool whiz bang technology, but it's also you think about, you know, the customer service and the customer experience you can provide with that speed of 30 minutes or less. And um, we're just really excited about the, the opportunities that it brings. 
All right. So Greg, I'm going to get you and, and uh, get you to weigh in just a second. This is so cool. Let me do two quick uh, programming points because I, I think I misspoke. In 2022, Walmart had over 6,000 deliveries. And then secondly, as Jen mentioned, over 7,000 now. And this that's at the time this, that this records. And we're recording this interview. That changes every day, I bet, Jen. Um, yeah. Right? All the time. And, and the and the markets, I think y'all opened up some new, new drone delivery markets this year. So it's, it's expanding to, to different customers too, huh? That's right. Um, so with that, Greg, I know everyone uh, hears the word drone and they may say, oh, it's, you know, we've been talking about this forever. This is cool because this is more deeds, not words that we love to tout here. <laughs> right, Greg? I'm sorry. Hold on just a second. I'm on Walmart Plus right now. Trying to... <laughs> That's right, she said Greg. ice cream. Uh, Free delivery with Walmart Plus, everybody. Get, go get your membership. I don't think I'm in a, I, I'm on an island right now, Jennifer, so I don't think that I am probably within a drone delivery area, but I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, but I, I, I love that. I, I have to ask, I have to ask, and, I, and then, Scott, I promise I will answer your question. But uh, Let's say someone ordered, and I'm just saying this speculatively, let's say someone ordered their rotisserie chicken for dinner and a half gallon of ice cream or whatever size it comes in now, thanks to shrinkflation. Um, what does that get delivered in the same time? I mean, it, does, do, you, do you have like heat and cold? You have like little flying yetis. Is that what it is? <laughs> well, Greg, it's a good, it's a good qu- comment. Good question. We have, we're testing a few different things. We've got a, um, a few just wonderful supplier partners that are helping us figure it out, but it essentially goes in like a little cooler box um, and so you just see it fly across the sky uh, in, in the box and it gets there in five minutes. So, you know, that ice cream doesn't get very cold, doesn't get very melted in five minutes. It's pretty good. That's smart. Man. I, I, you know, I, I think about, so another stupid thing I did as a kid delivered pizzas, right? And we had the little hot, hot box trays things and that sort of thing. Yeah. I imagine this will all become part of the whole thing over time, right? Is, is all of the temperature controlled and that sort of thing to, to tackle this. Anyway, sorry. Sorry to distract you on that. That's just a really cool and interesting point. So I love to hear what people can, want in 30 minutes aside from pizza. Um, yeah. And, well, and it's really cool to, to kind of hear that. Well, so speaking of yes, Greg, uh, two, two quick points. So Jen mentioned the pound limitation. I think it's up to 10 pounds is what's currently available by drone delivery, if I've got that right. And then she mentioned chicken, uh, cookies, Energy drinks and paper towels have been all some of the most popular items ordered, Jen. That is so cool. I think we learn a lot um, about the consumer by this, right? I mean, we start to learn about, um, I mean, if you think about this, it's the ultimate impulse purchase, right? And you start to think and learn about what people um, must have immediately, but they maybe don't plan so well for it. It's kind of an mm-hmm. interesting psychoanalysis over time, I would think. Guilty. It is. Or, you know, the other the other day I was at the drone um, tower and they were loading like Pedialyte, Gatorade and kids medicine. And you thought, oh, like a mom's homesick with her kid and like need something in 20 minutes. Like just all of these like use cases where, you know, it's like it's both convenient, but also like you're helping someone live better. Mm. Um, so super fun. You know, and, and that's a great te- uh, pick back up point because uh, I love the example used about delivering medicine to those that may be really limited and bound to their homes. So lots of noble purpose there. Um, anything else before we move on, because we're going to be talking uh, ocean freight as we 
uh, tackled this water wheels and wings um, triumphant here today. Anything else that you, you expect or can predict or maybe share with you about where the program, the drone delivery program is going in 2023? Yeah, I would tell you, we're continuing to, to test and learn, like what do our customers want? How fast do they want it? Um, and working with, you know, all sorts of partners in this space to understand how we can continue to expand that program because we know customers love it um, and just want to make sure we've got all the right policies and guidelines in place so that we can continue to, to lean in there. We're really excited about it. Yeah. Good stuff. A lot of good stuff. We could have a whole couple hours on this, on what you're learning and doing from a drone perspective, but we got to move on. So, um, Greg and Jennifer, Ocean Freight has been in the headlines, of course, for uh, a lot these recent years. Perhaps the most we've seen, perhaps, in recent memory. Now, uh, I saw across social, I enjoy following what you put out there on social, especially LinkedIn, Jen. You visited members of your Ocean Freight team, uh, it's probably been two or three months ago. What were a couple of your key takeaways from that visit and the conversations that ensued while you were there? Sure. You know, um, field visits have been my favorite part of the new job, back to sort of frontline in the stores, in the field. That's where you learn the most. And to your point, I've had some really good visits. I think in general, post-COVID, it seems like there's much more of a partnership atmosphere across ocean liners, our, our port partners, our dray partners, and how we're just moving freight in a connected way. And so a lot of good learnings around just how do we all be better together? And there are things that we as a shipper can do to help that. There's things that the ports and the dray teams are helping to do that. And there's things that the ocean liners and our partners are helping to do that. And so I think it's honestly driven some more transparent discussions and some more connected interest in terms of we all want this to work better. We never want what happened to happen again if we can avoid it. And so how do we think about that in a strategic way um, that helps everybody benefit? And so just really good conversations. And I think more of a collective uh, nature than you probably would have seen pre-COVID. Yeah, love that, uh, Jen. Love that. All right, Greg, comment on that. Because, uh, we, gosh, uh, we know that we've had lots of conversations around what's been going on in ports last few years. Your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, well, I think it's a leadership lesson as much as anything else. Get down and talk to the people doing the doing. Right. I mean, um, you know, we talked to Rick McDonald at Clorox fairly frequently um, and same deal. Right. You you probably more than others, Jennifer, can appreciate that having worked in the store and your philosophy that you expressed a little earlier is right. Get get out there. Right. Get out there with the people who are seeing issues on the front line and you can learn so much there. So, first of all, I, I want to acknowledge that because I think that's a key thing for people to take away is you have to get out there, right? You can't sit back here in our little podcast studio and go, this is the way it ought to be done. Um, but, but I think the other is to recognize that this is a constant shift. I mean, just think about just in your tenure, just at Walmart, Jennifer, how the uh, marketplace for all kinds of freight, but of ocean freight especially has changed. Everything's here and can't get back there and everything's there and can't get it back here. And, you know, and it's, it's 10 times what it used to cost. It's back to what it used to cost, you know, and it, and all the transition that's been going on in between that. And that's just largely the economics and the macro economics uh, or, you know, macro conditions of it. But then also you've got all these other conditions where largely government 
or pseudo-government entities have been put under an incredible amount of, of stress and shift, and that's not a natural thing, right? Governments generally work best when everything is average. Um, and everything has been anything but average. Excuse me while I look out the window and see. Yeah, uh, just a few ships. <laughs> just a few ships waiting outside uh, the port of Savannah. But, you know, we had been tracking that for a long time, Scott. And it got up to 37, 40 ships out here offshore waiting to get into the port of Savannah and hundreds in other ports. So that transition and understanding how did we get here, Jennifer, as you were talking about, and how do we never get here again or uh, at least mitigate our risk, which also I think you guys did a great job of doing as well. Um, I think those learnings are, are critical because the natural reaction is to go, whew, glad that's over. Let's go back to what we were doing before. Yeah. That's right. As they say, don't let a good crisis go right. to waste. Mm. And so, you know, I think we've, we've had a lot of discussions around, it's not going back to pre-COVID, it's going to our new way of working. And even though the volumes might feel quote normal, it's, you know, we're not back to normal, we're back to new. Yeah, um, I want to I want to bring us kind of full circle because on the front end, uh, Jen, we started with folks on the front line, right? And when I think about you know all the folks that that touch what moves at Walmart, right, via water wheels or wings, or folks in the stores helping customers, you know, all the different folks that um, keep us all moving forward during the pandemic, keeping stuff on the shelves and where we have some peace of mind. Greg, we've talked a lot about that. We've got so much to be grateful for and the people that make it happen. And Jen, to your point, to be able to take the time out and go meet and learn from the brightest and, and most innovative, the problem solvers, the army of problem solvers that move global supply chain forward. That's got to be one of the best parts of your job. So I'll give you the last word there as we start to wrap because we're going to talk about uh, National Women's History Month next. But your last uh, last thought there around those uh, incredible frontliners. Well, I would say one of my favorite stories coming to Walmart is, um, you know, we have the Walmart fleet. And so there are, there are our frontline drivers. We have 13,000 drivers, 10,000 tractors, 80,000 trailers. But the fleet drivers are just the magic special sauce of Walmart and have gotten to meet and ride along with several of them now. Um, and they're just incredible in terms of the, the service, the passion, the culture they have um, for our customer and what they do day in and day out uh, in a market that we know has been really hard to find drivers. And so just shout out to all the drivers on the road out there. That's a that's a really tough gig. And, um, you know, Walmart is not, could not be proud of our fleet. And that has been, you know, one of my favorite frontline experiences thus far, for sure. Wholeheartedly agree. And Greg, um, we had the great good fortune of interviewing an, uh, an award-winning driver for Walmart. First name was April. And that was one of our highlights in, in recent last uh, year or two, wasn't it? Yeah, she is an influencer in and of herself, isn't she? Have you ever ridden yeah. with her, Jennifer? You know, I haven't met April yet. I've heard all about her. Um, Carol Nixon's another one of our just amazing female drivers. They are just tons. There's several out there, so they're tons of fun. So the go for women in trucking. We can we can connect you with April, Jennifer. <laughs> she was an inspiration, was really a force of nature, a family driver, right? Yeah. I mean, you got it from her dad, so that's pretty cool. I, I think um, her story is fantastic. And she's a great person. You will really enjoy riding with her. I'm sure of it. 
That's awesome. So speaking of great segue here, uh, you know, we, uh, like many celebrate, uh, women's contributions and accomplishments and, and innovations all, all year long, but I do, uh, can get the value of a very targeted month where we really maybe are extra deliberate about, um, you know, lifting up those uh, powerful stories. So we're recording this interview during National Women's History Month in March, every March. So Jen, what's a couple, what are a couple of your favorite inspiring women from history or from your own journey? Oh my gosh, that's such a big question. I, um, I'll give one from myself and then one that is, you know, if I meet her one day, I will, it will, you know, she's my celebrity crush. I, um, I would tell you one of the best leaders I ever had woman or not woman, just incredible leader was a woman named Stephanie Smith from home Depot. And, um, just really embodied what it meant to be your whole self at work, to be, a, a, you know, a mother, a spouse, but also just like an incredible leader and transformational um, thought partner. And she just taught, you know, it was at a very pivotal time in my career. I was newly married. I was becoming a mom. I was also, you know, trying to still make my way up, up the corporate ladder. And, um, she just really showed what it meant to be your authentic self and be able to be all of those things, you know, not necessarily at the same time, but at different times and at the right times. Um, and so just so grateful to her and her mentorship and, and what, she, what she did for my career, um, back to, you know, the importance of pulling other women along the way. And then my just professional crush is... Um, Roz Brewer, who has been all over. She did a stint at um, Sam's Club and Walmart, um, was at Starbucks and is now the CEO of Walgreens. And she just, um, she's just a powerhouse. And she's also super normal um, from everything I can gather. I like listen to any interview or podcast I can get on. So Roz, if you're listening, call me. Um, I've like written her a a handwritten note. It's like, I'd love to spend time with you. Um, and so, but she, you know, Roz, I think is special because she's really demonstrated no. And as a person of color and a female navigating several large organizations, like I can only imagine the challenges she has met and just, you know, how she shows up and the advocacy that she has for others has just been incredible. And I think, you know, as I'm continuing to, to grow in my leadership, I think, wow, I hope I can leave the legacy and be a champion like Roz has been for so many others. Um, Mm. And she, yeah. And apparently she likes listening to Drake, which I also think is super cool. So like, she's (laughs) a cool lady. Like one day we're going to meet, it's going to happen. Um, so, Roz, two phenomenal and women. <laughs> Roz and Stephanie. Uh, sure, that's the uh, uh, top of a very long list of, of women that uh, Jen finds inspiring. So, Roz and Stephanie, if you're out there, thank you for all that you do and all that you lead and all that you inspire. Greg, uh, how would you respond to, to Jen's uh, <laughs> uh, comments there? Oh, um Wow, kind of twofold. Immediately, of course, Sandra McQuillan came to mind as I was thinking. I was thinking we probably ought to introduce Jen to to Sandra, um, another fantastic female leader from a uh, couple of your suppliers over over time. Not least of and not least of which, and not least important, Oreos, Mondelez. So, um, so that, I think that would be a great connection. But also someone I admire tremendously, and we love working with. And anyway, that. Um, 
But I, I think, um, I, you know, I think everyone should probably acknowledge the women who have influenced their lives. Like my mom obviously influenced my life pretty significantly. Single mother put herself through college, you know, while teaching us how to cook for ourselves while she was doing night school, all of that sort of thing. Um, but, but also I think, I think the other thing that came through clearly, Jen, 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 Jennifer, is that, um, you want to carry on that legacy of continuing to lift others up as well. And I think it's a great recognition to have that. And it is a great um, purpose to have, and it is ever so empowering for you yourself. So it's so self affirming to be giving. Um, and I think you will, you will be great at it first of all, and you will really and truly enjoy it. And I bet you're already doing it. It seems like you have a very, conscious desire to do that. You're probably doing it whether you know. Well, it or I, not. I've been very lucky in life and been given many opportunities along with some hard work and want to make sure that I can pay that forward to others. Mm. Outstanding, man, Jennifer, I wish we had a couple more hours with you. I really, we, uh, um, just as uh, you surpass the expectation, you set the standard on, on your last visit with us. And this has been a great, great uh, hour or so. So, for folks that want to connect with you and learn more about some of the things you've shared here, maybe they want to invite you in, do a keynote or, or other things. Or Roz wants um, to reach out. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. She wants to call right. me for dinner. I'm available. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say, you know, I'm active on LinkedIn. It's a great way to connect with our associates and peers in the industry. And so um, would love to connect. I think if anyone's interested in Walmart or coming to work on the incredible transformation and innovation we have underway, we'd love to have you at careers.walmart.com. And then our um, delivery service through our Spark Driver platform, driveforspark.com. would love to see you there too. So really appreciate the, the time and, and chat today. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jennifer. We're going we're gonna to get Greg's key takeaway in just a minute. So, so uh, staying by just one, but we've been talking with Jennifer McKeon, Senior Vice President, end-to-end delivery with Walmart and the cool things that she's, she and the team have been up to. Thank you so much, Jen. All right. So, Greg, before we wrap today's episode, I got it. There's so much, so much we talked about here today. We learned from Jen. Uh, innovation, frontline, um, everything that moves. I mean, some of these big themes here, uh, leadership throughout, really. Um, what's one of the your, your favorite things you heard here on today's conversation, Greg? Uh, golly, uh, there's so much. And it, you know, it harkens back to two people that we admire really strongly, as I said, Sandra and, and Rick, who are fantastic and very personal leaders. Um, and how... Uh, you know what I think is beautiful about this is, you know, we're talking about Women's History Month and all that sort of thing, but how unsurprising it is, right? How um, sort of standard practice I feel like it is that we can talk to someone like Jennifer and acknowledge her as simply a leader, not a woman leader, and which of course she is. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. But regardless of any of that, she is clearly a leader, a world-class leader. And I think that, that we hopefully are starting to get to an age as a world, or at least as a country, or maybe just our state, since we're all here or have been in Georgia, right? Um, that, that we can just speak to leaders and hear their greatness and learn from that greatness and, and just say, Jennifer, 
is a leader. And I think that's a really, uh, really important place for us to get to, but, um, still nonetheless, very inspirational. I love doing this, man. I just love doing this because, um, we get to not only share this with our audience and the greatness of all of these people that we get to talk to like Jennifer, but also we get to experience it over and over and over again. And somehow it hits you personally every single time. Right. And I think that's every what's time. really, really cool about getting to do this. Agreed. Agreed. Such a great point. A couple of great points there, Greg. Um, uh, really enjoyed having Jennifer back with us. So folks, to all of our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation as much as Greg and I have. We knew it'd be a good one because uh, uh, because of the standard that was set last time. But folks, you heard a lot of things here. Uh, we, we challenge you to take action. Deeds, not words. Put it into practice. Help your team, your organization do better and do it faster. Um, find us wherever you get your podcast from, including YouTube. It's really easy to tune in and listen in there. And on behalf of the whole team here, at Supply Chain Now. Scott Luton and Greg White challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.